started last week on a study through the book of Ephesians. We believe the word of God to be uh, alive and real, life-changing today, just as it, just as it was um, you know, 2,000 years ago when it was written. And that's not the power of, of words on a page or on an iPad. That's the power uh, of words spoken by God that, that aren't timeless. And they can uh, speak to you this morning. I, just give, give me, I want to give you just uh, 10 seconds just to give you the opportunity. Just to say, God, would you speak to me this morning? Would you whisper that to him? Pray to your mind to him? You're the only one who can make that invitation open to him this morning. And I really want to just give you the chance to do that. Would you just take uh, 10 seconds and just let him know that you're here and, and, and open to what he'd want to say? God, I am too. Would you, uh, would you speak to me again this morning? Thank you. It's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great time, you know, once a year to get back to that place of realizing what we have and, and to be thankful for it. Um, every year I say, you know what, I'm going to be thankful every day. You know what, starting today, every day is Thanksgiving. And then I find myself here, going, hmm, when was the last time I was remembered just to be really thankful for stuff? I'm like, man, it was like Thanksgiving last year, you know. Uh, it's it's this, it, the thought, but the thought is still good to realize that the stuff that we have, just to be thankful for and realize that, that we are incredibly blessed. And a lot of times we, we don't quite realize that. And, and I believe that that's what Paul is doing uh, with, the, with the church in Ephesians as well, reminding them of what they have to be, uh, to be thankful for. Last week, we, um, we started looking at this book that, um, that Paul wrote. It says it was written to, um, uh, to the churches, uh, and we looked last week that the words in Ephesus were added on later, that um, this book was, it's different actually than some of the other books he's uh, written. We, we did a study on Galatians, and in Galatians, Paul was kind of like harsh, He's like, you guys, like, you guys, the Galatian church had, had found freedom in Jesus and wasn't living just by rules and regulations. And then they traded that to go back to trying following rules again. And some of these rules were just not very comfortable. You know, circumcision and, you know, keeping different laws and, and practices was like, this is, why would you ever go back once you were free? And he's really hard on them. He's like, you, you knuckleheads, what were you guys thinking? Did somebody like cast a spell over you? Like, how dumb are you that you would leave freedom and go here is pretty much the strength of the words he said. Uh, Galatians was, uh, was a little bit tougher that way. Ephesians not written like that at all. Uh, the other thing about Ephesians that's, that's kind of unique is that in all the books that Paul wrote to, he knew people that were there. And he knew people in Ephesus for sure because he was there for three years. He would have known people, but he didn't write in a way that was really personal to this specific church in Ephesus. Uh, it's, it's thought that this letter was written to be passed around, that it was one of those letters that would go to all kinds of churches as an encouragement to them to grow in their faith. And, you know, I believe that, that even though it was written to those churches then, there's something in it for us today because we're one of those churches. We're one of the disciples of, of Jesus Christ, followers of Christ. And so Paul started out last week by saying, um, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, we know he wrote it, even though it doesn't sound exactly like the other books he's written, uh, the, the different style, we know it was him who wrote it. And, and he says uh, to the saints who are in Ephesus, and we looked at that last week, that you're a saint. Not because you got your act together, not because you didn't sin today on the way to church, not because, you know, you've, um, you've, you've died and done miracles like is required in some other uh, faiths, but the fact that just because you're in Christ, because you believe in Jesus and received his gift of salvation, you're a saint. You know, Saint Samuel is in the house today. You know, Saint Greg is in the house. Saint Eby. I mean, we all thought that already, but Saint Eby is uh, here today, and it's because, of, it's because of what Jesus has done in his life. Uh, for any of you who are a follower of Jesus Christ, he calls you a saint. And it says once we kind of, the reason why he said get this kind of in your heart is that we live like saints uh, because it's our identity. That as we walk through life, we, we choose a, a path that's, that's, um, 
that, that works with sainthood as opposed to, you know, ah, just kind of being on the planet and doing whatever's here and, you know, hoping God can rescue me. And then he says, man, you, you're, you're already saints. And so last week we talked about that. We're not going to uh, do too much there this morning. But then he said that there was grace and peace uh, that would be uh, yours in, in God. And a lot of times the, the picture of, of what we see um, God to be gets skewed sometimes. So I just want to get you back to what that is. God's view for you is grace. God's view for you is peace. Uh, and it says that, that in, in 1 Peter, it says that that would be multiplied to you in the knowledge of him. How do you get peace? Get to know God. Sometimes you're like going through really tough stuff. You're like, oh man, I'm praying and praying for peace, praying for peace. Uh, That's not how peace comes. Peace comes just by saying, God, I want to know you more. Then all of a sudden the situations you're going through in life, they just make a whole lot more sense. You know, these family that's going through the, uh, the surgery with their son with a brain tumor. Uh, the, the peace that is around them is just ridiculous. You talk to them and like, yeah, we're not, we're not worried in a, in a scared sort of way. We're, you know, we're, we, we know that he's with us. We're going through this. We've done it once. We're going to do it again. And, you know, the outcome, it's in his hands. And you're like, are you, are you for real? Yeah, it, it's for real. Why? Because they know God. And that's the, the, the whole heart that we've had um, through Ephesians is that, that Jesus would be revealed to you, that you would know him. It's what uh, Jesus wants to build his church on, his people who know him. Uh, and that's not just somebody at the front. That's you. Uh, so this week, I hope you had a chance to read through Ephesians chapter 1. If you didn't, we'll give you another week. Uh, you get a chance just to read along with us um, at Saturday nights. Some of them are memorizing um, all of Ephesians chapter 1, and they said, maybe we'll do chapter 2 after that. i like, that's pretty good. I mean, they beat you in the car rally, but I love to just up the ante. Why don't you guys, uh, you know, out-memorize them or something? Uh, just saying, you know what, memorizing through and just getting the Word of God hidden in your heart. There's countries around the world, and, and ours may someday be this, where the, we're not permitted to have this book in our hands. All you'll be left with is what you've stored in your heart. And I would encourage you to, 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 to be a person who does that, stores that in your heart. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. We'll, uh, we'll jump right in. We're a little shorter on time today. So um, it says this. Oh, wait a second. How did that happen? Oh, technology. Sorry, I'm in Galatians. I'll be right with you. There's no verses up on the screen. So if you have a Bible with you, I'd really encourage you to use that this morning. Um, turn to, to Ephesians chapter 3. It's kind of in the back. Um, but it says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, uh, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. You know, in verse 3, it just talks about, you know, actually from verse 3 to verse 14 in the original, it's just one super long sentence. Uh, He just writes and writes and writes. And the idea where he says, he just says, you know what, I want to just kind of explain to you what it means to be in Christ. And as he starts doing that, all of a sudden he's like, wow, when you this is a part of it, and this is a part of it, and this is a part of it, and this is a part of it. Um, my son Lincoln, he, uh, he's been sick this week, and the first w- way we could tell that he wasn't feeling well is he didn't want to eat. Because uh, everything is about food for that boy. He just absolutely loves his, uh, loves his food. This week we took him to the fair, and, and his favorite exhibit is the food alley with all those things. It, and so you ask him, you walk and you watch him, and you're like, hey, what do you want to get, son? As he's walking through, he's like, oh, you know, there's Tim Hortons right there. And, and then uh, they don't serve anything to eat, so he's walking along. He's like, oh, dad, I want that. And I'm looking up like it's elephant ears. I'm like, you want elephant ears? Oh, for sure, but uh, just to start. And then as we're walking down, there's poutine, and then there's the, the other fry shack, and then there's ribs. And 
and, and as we're walking along, I'm like crazy. And it's like, and then dad, I want cotton candy at the end. Maybe, and then maybe just some candy. And he's like, it just adds on the whole time. Like, I'm like, we just got to have lunch, son. Like, just one thing. And uh, the Dutch wallet said he's having fries. But his whole, um, his whole idea was you could just even sense the salivation as he's walking along. Going, Whoa, this is like crazy. It just keeps getting better all the way along. Paul's right in the same way, saying this whole idea of you being in Christ, it's just amazing. It just keeps getting better and better. And the more he talks about it, the more that he sees. And, and he, so it's something that he's sharing with you. You're like, well, what's the big deal about being in Christ? It's a massive deal. It's foundational for us to understand that if we don't understand uh, who we are in Christ, most of the rest of our life just really doesn't make any sense. Most of us, um, we're more familiar with Christ than us because that's kind of how we came to him. Anybody who did Sunday school would have been, uh, you know, through that place where you accept Jesus into your heart. There is definitely um, stuff in the Bible that talks about having God in us. It says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. I, I don't know anything tougher than raising people from the dead, but that spirit lives inside of you. Same spirit uh, that Jesus had, you have. Same spirit that Jesus had, you have. It doesn't matter how old or young you are. That's how amazing Holy Spirit is. Uh, and he says that there's this idea of, of God in us. But he says, you know, that it's actually 10 times more verses talk about you being in him. And you say, well, what does that make? It? What difference does that make? Think about this for a second. Most of us who have kind of have the idea and understanding of Christ in us live a life that looks like this. We live our life and we want God in us, so we accept Jesus, take him into our already existing life as an add-on, and still do life with God kind of in our lives. He says, yes, that's a part of it, but that's not what it is. He says, basically what salvation is, it's you're in Christ. The old life you lived is no longer. It is now done and it's gone and you are now completely in a different, uh, in a different uh, being, in a different form. Uh, the fact that you are now in Christ, that everything that Christ did, you being in that, if you can, if you can uh, correlate your life with that, you'd be amazed at how different things are. When you realize that you're in Christ, uh, he says there's, there's things that, that just get better and better. Your identity changes. So you've got lots of people with issues. I mean, you can hear it as we, as we go around the prayer circle uh, and, and things are mentioned. There's a lot of different things that get mentioned. People have, you know, relationship issues. People have um, financial problems and, and, and different things like that. We could teach on relationships, and we often do. We could teach on finances and, and how to use them. We could, we could and, and sometimes we do. But the thing is that most of that stuff is really an identity problem. You can teach people how to save, you know, how to, how to budget and how to do all this stuff. But if their identity is kind of messed up and they don't realize that God is their provider, a lot of times they're going to, you know, make foolish decisions about where they, you know, where they get a job or, or how, they, how they spend their money. If they have this identity of like there's something lacking on the inside, I'm not really complete, there's this joy that's missing, they'll run up their visas just to be, just to find some short-term happiness. Their identity, if you realize, man, you're enough in Christ. Stuff is just stuff. It doesn't really matter. You, you, it, it changes the way you live life. Same with uh, relationships. We can teach you, hey, here's the way to respond, you know, when your wife gives you one of those dirty looks. Respond in love, you know, or when she's yelling at you, just use a soft answer. But that doesn't matter uh, if the identity of the person, you'll act out of that. You can know all the things up here, but then when you actually face it, identity kicks in. And it's like, boom, it's like, you know what, she's going to say that to me? Well, it's on, let's go. And, and, and the Royal Rumble begins. And that's, that's where he's just saying, you know, the identity of knowing, hey, you know what, like Jesus, how could Jesus go through, through um, the, the crucifixion, have all of these false things said against him and never raise a defense? Why? Because his identity was solid. It doesn't matter what they say. They, they don't have anything. It doesn't, that doesn't matter. I know who I am. Um, 
You know, that's one of the things that, that, uh, that this whole idea of Ephesians is trying to help us understand is who you are in Christ, who you really are and who he really is. See, if we don't really understand who God really is, uh, life just, it, it doesn't, it, again, doesn't make a lot of sense. For instance, let me, let, me, um, let me say this. Our praise, what we just, you know, the songs that we sing or the words that we say in praise to God or even in prayer to God, they're, um, they're not genuine if we don't really know God. At Act Like Men, we heard this uh, great illustration. I would say the same thing to you. What if I, and I shared this with, Beth was asking me last night, hey, what are you preaching on tomorrow? I was like, you, and she's like, oh, great, you know. And tell me what it is. So I, I said, you know, what if I was to say to, 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 um, to Beth, I was to say, wow, hon, you are like the, the hottest redhead I have ever met. And my kids are like looking at me like, what, dad? And I'm like, and your brown eyes are so deep and alluring. They're just so attractive. It's absolutely amazing. And, and the way you beat our children just melts my heart, you know? And uh, she'd be like, what? She's not going to receive any. I, you know, I'm saying it in a really nice way. I'm praising her for this amazing beauty. None of it's true. Why? Because she's a blonde and she has like pale greenish blue eyes and she doesn't beat our children. And so there's this, um, there's this thought of none of that stuff, even though it's praise, is, is true or genuine, not, not received. Same thought for God. Sometimes people praise God for, things of, for doing bad things in their life. You know, th- you know, God took my loved one or God did this stuff and it's like, you know, blessed be the name of the Lord. And they read that in, in the Bible. That's not who God is. And he's saying, I want your eyes to be open to see who Jesus really is. If we would understand him, we would share him differently. We'd live life differently. And that's what his prayer is for us. And so he says some things about, about you, who you are in Christ. You're a saint. But then in Ephesians 1 verse 3, he says, blessed, blessed be God. First, he starts with God saying, God, this guy, he is blessed. He's amazing. He's worthy of praise. And then it says, out of that, he says, he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He uses all of the terms, the word blessed, you know, the adjective for God, the verb for what he's doing to you, and the noun uh, for the blessing that he gives you. He says that there's, there's blessing uh, in your life and you are already blessed. You're like, well, what does that mean? Who cares? What, what good does it matter if we know that we're blessed? We live in a country that's incredibly blessed, which I think has, has caused us to look at life and look at blessing in the wrong way. We look at blessing and think, like, if our household is healthy, then we're blessed. Would we not agree? Just go through a household that's not healthy. None of my family is here today other than myself because most of them are sick. You know, I'd say, well, you know, it, it sure is a blessing when they're, when they're healthy. You know, we'd look at it and say, if I've kind of, if a person's got a nice car and a nice house, well, then they're blessed. You know, if they've got a bank account, all their bills are paid and there's still money in the bank account, well, then they're blessed. We would look at it that way and he's saying, you know what? Sometimes you look at blessing in the wrong light because it's not, none of those things are, are the greatest blessings in the world. They are blessings nonetheless, but all that stuff's going to change. Doesn't matter how much money you have, you're gonna, it's going to run out. You know, it doesn't matter how nice your house is, it's falling apart as we sit here. You know, um, it, your car, that beautiful Lincoln that you just look at and like, whoa, it's so sweet. It's going to be a rust bucket, you know, down the road. All of those things are fading. So we look at those blessings and think, oh, that's everything. You know, that's blessing. But my question for you is this. What if you're sick? Is the hand of blessing off of your life? Did God take his blessing off of your life? What if you're driving a rust bucket? Is God taking his blessing off of your life? Amen. Me too, but just don't let Eleanor hear. I love you, sweetie. All right, so um, it's my car. Um, the, uh, you know, the, um, the, if, uh, if, there's, if there's not health in your life, or you'd say you, you don't, you're living in a you know, one-bedroom apartment with 10 kids, has the blessing of God been taken off of your life? No. 
See, the thing is, so, so often we look at it and we think, oh, you know, we've got to get to this place or we're waiting for this to happen. And he just says in Ephesians, listen, the God, um, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has already blessed. That word has blessed, that's the, the idea behind it is actually more than just has already blessed. It's like he has blessed you, he is blessing you, and he's going to continue to bless you and nothing can change that. You know, some countries, they only have water for one hour a day. There's only water pressure for one hour, and they go and turn on the tap. That's when they can get water, and the rest of the time, it's not there. For us, it would be like strange for us to go to the tap and say, well, we turned on the tap this morning, and it worked. And we look at it that way. It's like, oh, good. At least we had water. But today, if you go back there and turn it on, well, you'll have water again. And if you turn it on, you know, a couple hours from now, you expect there's going to be water again because it's what we live in. It's the identity we understand in this culture. He's saying the same thing with this. Realize that you're blessed. Uh, you have been, you will be, and you are being blessed right now. Don't, don't forget that. And it can't be, um, it can't be taken away from you. Um, the blessings of God are so much more than material stuff. Solomon, the guy, had everything. If you want to read about it, check out Ecclesiastes. He writes about all the stuff that he had, and it was pretty impressive. And in the end, he says it's all worth nothing. I was talking with Grant this week, and he had talked about one time where, you know, he came home and, and a whole bunch of his stuff was gone, and he was angry until all of a sudden God told him, listen, Grant, it's all going to burn. He's like, oh, okay, so I'm not so mad. If they have it, it's all going to burn anyways, right? This same idea for us, all the stuff we have, really, it's all going to burn. Is it really the stuff that we want, or is there blessings in our life that are, that are greater than that? And he says they are. And they're tangible blessings. I want to just close with, the, well, we'll see. We'll take a couple minutes here to share three things. Um, Wes has been doing the study at Sweets Corners on Ephesians and just been listening to it. He dropped these three words, and I want to use them uh, as well because uh, I think they're the best description of what the blessings that God has for your life. Uh, and so if you, if, you have your, um, if you have your Bible still in Ephesians there, it's, uh, I want to talk about three things, the quantity of the blessings, the quality of the blessings, and the qualification of it. What does it mean for our lives today? The, qu- the quantity of it. You know, it says that, that uh, blessed, be the, uh, blessed be God, uh, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. How much is that? All. Everything. Every blessing he's already given us. Um, and, and so it's, uh, he's, saying, he's saying a lot of times we don't fully understand this concept of all. There's a guy, a rich uncle, his name's Sam Jones, we'll call him. His whole family, he didn't have any kids. So his whole family, they knew that they were in the will for when uh, Uncle Sam passed away. And Uncle Sam was loaded. They knew it. He had beautiful cars. He had multiple homes. He had like a Caribbean uh, uh, vacation home. And, and so they knew, like when Uncle Sam croaks, we're going to, you know, he doesn't have any kids. It's coming to us. So Uncle Sam's on his deathbed and the kids all gather around and they're just waiting. They can't wait. You know, it's just like the sooner the better when he's gone, you know, ka so they wait, and after it's all done, the, the lawyer gets out, and he's reading out the will. And he says, as he pulls out the will and he reads it, he says this, I, Sam Jones, being of sound mind and body, spent it all. <laughs> you know, the opposite of that is true for us, that Jesus gave it all. That's what he's saying, gave it all. And it was really incredible. Just, just dial your brains up one step for this one. Because he says this, that Jesus died to give us all, um, or actually it says he wrote the will, wrote us in this plan to say you're going to have all of the blessings. Then it says that, he, that the blessings would be in him. Then he died so that the will would come into effect. It doesn't come into effect unless somebody dies. So Jesus dies to make sure that now you are the beneficiaries of all of this, of this blessing. And then it says that he rose from the dead to become the advocate, to become the lawyer, to make sure that you get everything that was in that will. He's like, I'm going to be alive and I'm going to be at the right hand of the Father. I'm going to make sure that every blessing that's possible, all the, the stuff that's, that matters, you're going to get. 
So what are these blessings? Because he says the quantity of it is it's all. That you have it all already just by being a believer in Jesus Christ. He says that the quality of the blessings is this. They're spiritual blessings. So we can say, well, you know what? Hey, they're spiritual blessings. You know, it's not cars. It's not boats. It's not money. It's spiritual blessings. Now you guys go home and figure that out. You're like, what? How am I supposed to figure that out? Well, Paul helped us out and said, you know what? I'll let you know what they are. I just want to give you a couple of them this, this morning from um, Ephesians of some of the blessings that are yours in Christ. One of them is this in verse 4. It says this, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. He says, you're chosen. He says, you are chosen. He made sure that, that in Christ you'd be chosen. Some, some look at this and, and in some uh, things there's this thought of, oh, some people are chosen to go to heaven and some people are chosen to go to hell. It's not what he's talking about here. He's not talking about, you know, the fact that, that um, God chooses some to save and chooses not to save others because we believe that Jesus died for the whole world. So how does this kind of correlate there? It says that before time began, God had foreknowledge that, that we were going to need a Savior. He knew that Adam and Eve, this, this idea of them just living in a garden and, and not following the enemy, knew, he knew that that wasn't going to work out. He could see that. He's not limited by time. So in realizing that, wait a second, I'm going to create these people for relationship with me. They're going to mess it up. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to have a plan ready. By, for when that happens, I've already got a plan as how this is going to be fixed. Nothing surprises God. So it says... Um, as he goes through this, he says, I'm choosing that there's going to be a thing called the church. I'm choosing that I'm going to send my son Jesus to actually give people a second chance and a chance to be saved. I'm going to choose them back again as a whole to give them the opportunity to choose me. And it says, he says, what else does he choose? He says, I chose that they should be holy and without blame uh, before him in love. It doesn't say he chose them to be saved or not saved. He says, I chose that, that this is my, my decision is that they would be, um, that they would be holy, that they would be set apart, that this thing called the church, they would be this different people which you are a part of this morning. He says you're chosen, uh, which is a pretty amazing thing. Then in verse 5, he says, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. What was his great desire and great plan? Was that he would adopt us as, as his kids. You know, it's the thing is he, we were his kids when he created Adam and Eve and out of that, they, they changed it. He says, my, my deal is I'm going to adopt them back. Adoption is a pretty amazing thing. We have adopted niece in, in uh, our family and after, um, uh, f- you know, family members tried for nine years to have children and weren't able to, they adopted a little girl named Evie. And Evie is just, uh, it's, it's just a beautiful picture to see her growing up because you know what? There's no difference from her than from any of the other grandkids and any of the, the nieces and nephews. After that, they figured it out. They had two kids. Uh, so even, um, it, it, 10 years it took, but you know, the, even them, the, the, those two, um, those other two children, there's no difference between uh, those children at all. The, you know, it's not like one gets, you know, um, a certain kind of birthday present, the other ones don't. They are, she's a full child in this family. And the same thing is like, it's what he's done for us. He's like, you're sons and daughters of, of, of God in the same way that Jesus is. You know, his other son, you know, it's pretty amazing that you, he says, I love you like that. You know, this is, this is what my thoughts are about you. You're uh, adopted. And he says, I adopt you with adult status. Then it says in verse, um, in verse uh, 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. He's like, man, praise his amazing grace for this. We're accepted. We are accepting you. They think, you know, what, what's, what's the deal in that? Do you realize it's one of the biggest things that's missing in our culture today? Is this idea of acceptance. People trying to find somewhere to belong. Where do I fit in? Do I fit in? You know, who am I? Why do I matter? What's my purpose? 
It, it's crazy. It's one thing I love about this church. It's one thing I love about you guys is that when people come here, it's like the, the, the first thing they say is, I, I, don't, I, I, mean, I don't do church, but I just felt like at home here. I talked with somebody this week, and he said, I came in. He's like, I, I didn't know how to dress. I didn't know what to do. He said, but I felt like accepted as soon as I came in the door. He's like, it was weird. And then he said, I sat here, and, it, and as the, the songs were going, he said, I was crying. I couldn't stay. I left, and I went outside. And this guy came out and followed me and told me his life story. And I'm like, you don't even know me, man. And like, like you don't want me telling me that stuff. I can tell everybody about it. He's like, it doesn't matter. And, and so he says, you know what, this thought of people genuinely care and accept me, he says, that's what it is. You know what, I can see that? That's Jesus in you. That's this whole idea of, guess what, I know I'm accepted so I can pass that out to others. He says, you're getting that blessing and understanding it, living in that, it changes your life. And it says in verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You know, this is another blessing we have in Christ is forgiveness. Think of all the rotten stuff you did this morning before you came to church. You're like, oh, I'm... I'm a saint, man. I didn't do nothing. Okay, think about yesterday. You know, the, the uh, stuff that, you, that you've done, he says, you're already forgiven. He says, one of the promises, one of the blessings for you is freedom. There is nothing like feeling free. That, and you're like, oh, I don't know what that feels like, man. That is what he's blessed you with. The enemy would love to just pile guilt on your life so that you live your life always under this heaviness and weight of how rotten you are. But he says in Christ, you already have these blessings. One of them is freedom. One of them is already the fact that you're free. What does that feel like? Last week we had a pizza party after the car rally and Mark Jefferson and I decided we'd go pick up the pizza. And so as we're putting 20 pizzas in the back of uh, little Eleanor, my car, uh, all of a sudden all the windows fog up, right? And so here we get in the car and I'm looking at Mark, I'm like, <laughs> two guys in the car, all the windows fogged up. You know, it's kind of funny, right? So we're, um, we're driving uh, along and if you know where Pizza Hut is in Simcoe, it's on this little, uh, little back road and we're just going down the back road around the corner to the park. And so uh, as we're sitting in there, we're joking away about this, and we're like, you know, hey, has this ever happened before? Whatever, driving along, and, and um, then we get to the corner. As we turn, the, there's a corner there. There's a stop sign on our side, but not on the other side, and I'm like, well, I got like stacks of pizza in the back. I can't stop. You know, they're all going to fall, so I just slowly make it through the corner. As I go around right there, uh, to the left is a police car. That guy had like eagle eye vision, could see through our fog windows and realize that I didn't even wear my seatbelt. And like, it was like no time at all. I know I pull over like before he turns around because I know I'm in trouble. Like guilt instantly is in my life. I'm like, oh man. And it's like, it weighs them like Mark. I mean, sheesh, you know, it's like, put the seatbelt on. Like, you know, I got everything ready to hand to this guy. As he, as he pulls up, he's like, hey, what's going on in here? Where are you guys going? We're like to the park over there. And he's like, what's, what's happening? I got a pizza party. He's like, oh, pizza party, eh? All right. So he looks in. He's like, whoa, yeah, there is a pizza party. Look at all this pizza. He's like, um, so um, what, do you, do you just blow through stop signs all the time? I was like, oh, no. You know, he's like, oh. He says, and uh, he says, you don't wear your seatbelt very often either? I'm like, I'm wearing my seatbelt. How the heck did he see that, right? And it's like, he says, let me tell you. And he says, uh, it's 200, and, let's tell you right now, it's 240 bucks plus two points for the stop sign you just ran. It's another uh, 240 bucks for not having your seatbelt on. You could buy a lot of pizza with that, you know. And then he starts telling me, you know, if I was a crooked cop, I would just say, you know, like the ones you see in the movies, I'd say, just give me a pizza and we'll call it even. But I'm not one of those cops. I'm just like, oh. 
480 bucks for a stinking meal. Like, oh, man, it's all, it's all that, whatever. I'm just sitting there just like the weight just got a whole lot heavier. I'm, I'm sitting there I'm thinking, oh, man, hope I don't have to pay for Jefferson's ticket too. You know, it's like he wasn't wearing his seatbelt neither. But then uh, the policeman just says to us, like, all right, Mark Vanderbilt, well, you go have a good time at your pizza party. And it's like, I'll let you go, but you just pray for me. I'm like, I will. I will pray for you. <laughs> like, how's this happen, right? I, like, and I drove super slow and followed all the rules. I signaled into the parking lot and I even parked, you know, probably. Really. Um, but it was like all of a sudden as I drove, there was nothing more freeing than that feeling of driving away. I was like, I'm free. Obviously, I didn't do anything wrong. He would have gave me a ticket if I was really guilty. But, you know, as I was driving away, I'm like, there's that feeling of it lifts and freedom. Can I tell you that you can have that in your life every day for the guilt of stuff that sits on your life when you realize I am free in him? So he's saying these blessings, they're tangible. They're worth something. They're worth more than anything. If you can live your life out of that, it's incredible. He says you have an inheritance one day called heaven. He says he puts your, his Holy Spirit on you so that you're guaranteed you're going to get there. And it says this, if those are the, the quantity and the quality, what's the qualification? Well, it's short because there's only one. The qualification is to be in Christ. Simply be in Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you believe that, that what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago matters today, if you'd say, God, I, I can't do life my own. I don't want to be God in my life anymore. I want you to be God in my life. And I'm going to follow you and receive forgiveness. You got it. You are in Christ. The, the, the absolute foundational truth that each of us needs to know and grab hold of is that very fact because when you have it, you live differently. And Paul's saying that in the first three chapters, this is what he's doing in you. This is what he's done in you. And once you got what he's done in you, here's how you can live it out. We're going to be studying that as we go through Ephesians. But I want to encourage you to take this week to read Ephesians chapter 1 and say, God, what are, who am I in you? Who am I in you? Who is Aaron? Who is Robin? Who is Peter? Who is Val? Who is, who is Heidi? Who is Becky? Who am I in you? Let him reveal that truth to you because he wants to. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing and life-changing. We're, we're out of time. I'll share you know, some of the testimonies of my life, but, but I want to encourage you that it's more than just words on a page. If you let it in here, it'll change, revolutionize your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, thank you for making it alive in us. Uh, I just ask that you would do that uh, as we leave this place. God, we have so much to be thankful for, and we didn't even realize it. Thank you so much for what you've given us in you. I pray that that revelation would become uh, real to every person this week as they study your word, as they look to you to hear your voice, would you speak to them? I thank you for this time together. Thanks for uh, family that we get to celebrate today with. I pray that uh, as people go from this place, they'd have opportunities to share your light and be the light to, the, to those around them. It's for the wonder and glory of uh, your amazing name. Pray this, amen.